And we're, we're shooting a scene at Arnold's, the driving and interior scene. We, we had a little break in rehearsing the scene, getting ready to shoot it. And Anson went to go get a cup of coffee. He comes back with this weird expression on his face. And he says, this guy just walked in. And he said, he looks just like, and I won't say who yet. He looks just like so-and-so. And we're going, yeah, 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 right. This guy's coming here to see us. Right. We're laughing, you know. A minute or two later, we see a guy walk in with a little with a young boy. He's got sunglasses on. And we're going, holy shit. It is. It's John Lennon. Junctures from Liverpool, England. The significance is that the Beatles have held this title for eight years. My model of business is the Beatles. You know, they were four very talented guys. Hello, I'm Jack, and you're listening to the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast, an interview show about the Beatles' influence in the past, present, and future across the universe and across generations. Don Most has an interesting story to tell. He's experienced a phenomenon that few people have. On set, while playing the character Ralphie on the show Happy Days, he stumbled into a Beatle. John and Julian Lennon were visiting the Happy Days set for the day in 1974. Don, the entire crew, John and Julian, then took a famous photograph together. And the story behind the photo hasn't been talked about too much until now. Thank you for tuning back into the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. I'm your host, Jack Lawless. I'm here with the legendary Don Most, who, as you all know, played Ralph on the show Happy Days, and who is also a huge Beatles fan. Don Most, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. Oh, fine. Thanks for having me, Jack. Appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little... Uh, like jet lag i just came back from uh being on the uh, away for about a week i was um i was in vegas for an autograph show and then i went to pittsburgh uh, there was a screening and a panel discussion of a movie that i'm in called uh, when george got murdered which the movie's about uh, right in the aftermath of the george floyd murder interesting so anyway that that probably coming out in May, the end of May on either Amazon on Hulu. Anyway, cool. so I just got back and I'm kind of like readjusting, you know, to the time and, and all of that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you again. So Don, can you paint a picture of what life was like for you at the time when you first heard the music of the Beatles? Okay, well, that was probably, I forget, 1960 three, something like that. I'm guessing 62 or 63. So I was like nine or 10 years old growing up in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, I started hearing about the Beatles. It was, um, it was all this, you know, hub going on a lot of, a lot of talk here, hearing, Oh, you got to hear there's this new sensation, you know, this, this band from, from England called the Beatles. And, and was what you know the Beatles? I had never heard of them, and everybody's now talking about it, you know, and hearing hearing about it like I was, and built up this great. There was this great buzz and anticipation about getting to see them. Um, I'm sure there there were some people who might have known about them already before I did, um, but you know, 
um, I was in, I was in grade school. I was probably in, you know, fifth grade or something like that, sixth grade. And um, so there was a lot of expectation. I know my sister who was two years older than me. Uh, she was probably even a little more excited about it than I was. I was kind of like, you know, the Beatles, what, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect, but, but I just remember there being a lot of, a lot of anticipation and buzz from everybody hearing, hearing them coming, you know, and we were going to finally get to see them on television. And that has to do with another question, probably. So how did you, how did you hear them for the first time? Yeah. Um, well, the, the big news was that they were going to be on the Ed Sullivan show. Um, and, you know, me and my family, we watched the show every Sunday night, probably. And, um, and a lot of times we had dinner at my grandparents' house. They also lived in Brooklyn, about a mile away from where we lived. And a lot of times we'd have dinner there and sometimes watch the Ed Sullivan show there. Sometimes we'd come home and watch the rest of the day. Well, in this particular night, we we all wanted to see it together, and um, so so that was the first time I heard him on the Ed Sullivan show, and that's wow. probably when when a large part of the country that was the first time they had seen and heard them. the The number of people watching that show, I think, that night was I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure it was one of the highest rated shows, uh, you know in his you know of that era i'm sure it was way up there yeah absolutely and and you were just a couple blocks away from them really i mean you were in brooklyn they were in manhattan yeah well um, yeah more than a couple of blocks but right not that not as the crow flies you know you know i don't know maybe it was only 12 miles or something like that you know? <laughs> so what were your thoughts when you first heard them good question because i have to say that I was also initially colored by my, my, there was a bit of a, I don't know, I think from, you know, the older generation, like my parents and grandparents, you know, hearing about the Beatles. And so in their minds, it was, I don't know, I don't want to say a negative thing, but they, you know, their taste in music obviously was different. And, and I think it was kind of like, oh, this must be some, you know, some gimmick, you know, some group, it's just a lot of publicity. It's just some, you know, like, you know, with the hairdo, because maybe we'd seen some pictures possibly. And so they had kind of a, you know, a very judgmental attitude, I think about it. And, you know, I'm being young at that time. And um, so I was a little bit influenced by it. So I probably had a little bit of a, oh yeah, okay, let's see what this is about. We we were curious, but, but it was, you know, this has got to be some kind of, you know, just big publicity stunt or something along those lines. But then I remember when we were watching it, it was like, you know, I remember going, wow, this is, you could, you know, this is really something different. This is something new. But then they were all, I remember, they were, you know, the audience in, at the SL1 show, they were, you know, filled with a lot of young teenage girls. and They were just going crazy, all standing up screaming, screaming, you know, and then, so you, so part of it is like, well, is this kind of set up and staged? That was, but I remember just kind of being mesmerized by them and, and, you know, inside I'm going, well, I kind of like this, you know, I kind of <laughs> like this, you know, maybe I didn't want to admit it, you know, it was that right. kind of thing. Like I didn't want to admit it, but it was like, wow, I, 
I don't, I don't know. I think this is really good. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it about the Beatles that captivated you? Well, for me, you know, that early phase of the, of the Beatles, you know, I, like I said, I thought it was good. I thought it was pretty good. I, I mean, just, it, it was a combination, but, but, but I should say it wasn't until a little bit later when I became a really big fan, when they started going through, you know, they evolved as, as we all know, quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was a band that went through a lot of the very progressive changes that, that they went through. And it was later that I really became a fan. But at that time, I mean, the music, I mean, the, the, the writing of the, their music and the lyrics, I mean, it was incredibly catchy. I mean, you know, I think I remember hearing a story where, where, you know, when they'd be coming up with ideas of music, you know, rip, jamming and riffing, and it was like they, 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 they wrote, wrote it down real quick so they wouldn't forget and they so it was like had to be something that like in a short hook that it was a short hook that they'd have to come up with and they'd have to be really good you know right so 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 that's what i think affected me that it did it it was so it did have such a uh, an immediate hook to it that i felt and that everybody felt and and also it was something about their the, um, the persona of them. I, I mean, when I, you'd watch them perform and hear their music, there was something indescribable that would come through that I couldn't at that age. And maybe even now I couldn't, you know, characterize in a, in a, in a very literate way. It was just this, that it factor of something going on between these people. You know, I think it was the way they gelled together so incredibly well. Um, they're playing their voices and, and great, great composition of, of music, really. Um, I think that's what got me. Um, and, and when I look back at some of those earlier songs now, I think I appreciate them even more so than I did then. Because I, but that's with the privilege of having seen the whole arc of, of the band. So then you could almost appreciate the earlier stuff with a different lens. And so that's why... I think I do appreciate their earlier music uh, more now than I, I did then. Uh, but I, you know, I really loved a lot of the, um, what, when I really became a bigger fan was a little bit later. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I share as well, because I grew up with all of the Beatles music already at my fingertips and I ah, am able yes. to appreciate all of that. Just like yeah. you said. Yes, it's, you'd have to imagine seeing the early stuff, you know, in chronological, seeing them and hearing them in chronology. Um, and if you're only seeing that early stuff without the advantage of having seen the later stuff, um, it, you know, it might be a little different. I'm sure it would, you know. Don, when did you first become interested in acting? Um, well, I, I first became interested in sort of pursuing originally for me it was singing at the beginning it was more singing i was nine years old and i saw a movie called the jolson story about al jolson he was considered the greatest entertainer in the world back in his day in the 20s 30s he, he did the very first talking movie uh called the jazz singer the original jazz singer starring al jolson and then there was the movie about him 
that I saw when I was nine years old. And so then I, I got his records and, and then I started really, um, I mean, I was listening, you know, I was nine years old. So I was listening to some of the pop music on radio, pop and rock, but that's, then I got really into at that stage, um, listening to more of the standards, the American songbook and, you know, the, the legends of that, the jazz standards and Sinatra and, and all the great singers of that kind of songbook. Um, and, but then when I didn't do anything much about it, it was just something I felt inside and had a desire, but I almost didn't want to admit it. But when I was 13 is when my parents saw that I was really, really into it and serious. And they sent me to us, uh, they found a school that was in Manhattan that uh, was for singing, acting, dancing. And I would go, I would take the subway from Brooklyn into Manhattan on Saturdays and go to the studio and, and take lessons. And the acting wasn't as focused for me at that point as the singing. And then the next year, I was 14. And when I was almost turning 15, I got picked to be part of a nightclub act for the summertime that would perform up in the area called the Catskill Mountains, upstate New York, which was a big resort area that had a lot of hotels and the hotels had nightclubs. So I was up there that whole summer, part of this nightclub act singing probably four or five shows a week, all summer long. Wow! And so, so I was, you know, I, I was really excited about it, but then it was the following year when I turned around 16, where that's when all of a sudden something shifted for me. And I want, and I, my focus really zeroed in on acting and I like wanted to put the music aside for a while because I started seeing really getting into movies at the time and, and going to see a lot of movies. And, and I started seeing, there were some great movies back then in the late sixties, you know, uh, seeing Dustin Hoffman in the graduate or seeing Paul Newman and, in, in Cool Hand Luke and, and uh, The Hustler, and then seeing Jack Nicholson. That was in the movie called Five Easy Pieces. That really was a turning point for me seeing Nicholson and, and these other great actors. And that's when I uh, shifted and, and went to a, to a school that was really just all about acting, you know, to a workshop that was serious acting class. That's when it really started for me. Can you walk us through your career? What, what, did, uh, what happened after you started going to that workshop? Um, at that workshop, the, the teacher uh, knew, uh, had a relationship with a manager that, liked, that was handling kids and, and young ad- teenagers, young adults. And I guess when she saw somebody that she thought had some real potential, she would recommend them to this manager. So she introduced me to the, to this manager. Her name was Selma Rubin. She was based out in um, Forest Hills in Queens. And um, she wanted to work with me. So she started getting me um, meetings with some agents. And then I started getting auditions. And at that time they saw, you know, this, this kid with red hair and little freckles. So they thought, you know, commercials. I, you know, I, I was open to anything, um, I, you know, but I wanted to do some real acting, you know, movies, television, theater, but commercials, everyone, it was big in New York then, it probably still is. And, and um, it was a good way to get introduced into the way, because they shoot them like little movies. 
um, you know, you spend a day or sometimes two days doing these commercials. And, and it was a way to get a good transition into acting in front of the camera and you could make some good money. So in the next four years, I did 40 commercials and a lot of them were national commercials. So that was great. And then, then they sent me on, I came on some Broadway auditions and I came very close on a few. I didn't quite get them. Came very close to doing the original show, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Wow. I had like three, three callbacks for that. And um, I made it through everything except then when they had the dance, the dance part of the audition. I think I, that's where I, where I didn't quite make it because I'm not really a dancer. Mm-hmm. And they wanted you to be able to do that too. But there were a couple of others. I had close calls and a couple of movies, but it was me. I did a few little TV, very small parts. There wasn't a lot of TV being shot in New York. Then. It was mainly commercials, soap operas, and theater. So um, that was that was how it really got going for me because that got me into Screen Actors Guild and I got to work with some good directors because some of the directors I worked with went on to be to do films. Um, so it, it was good training and like I said, gave, uh, gave me the ability to, to, I made some money so that I could pursue things a little independently. And that's what I wound up doing after my junior year in college. And I did, I did theater in college. But after my junior year, I went out to Los Angeles and I had money to finance that. To yeah, I took and I wound up taking six months off of school and got out to L.A. Started. I was able to get an agent and did some commercial. I mean, did guest. I, I auditioned and landed some roles on guest starring roles on TV. And then I stayed, got another couple of parts. And then eventually, a few months later, um, Happy Days came along. But, you know, I went to whole slew of auditions and screen test screen test for that and then got uh the part of ralph and you know we went in we shot the pilot and then found out very quickly that it was going to be a mid-season replacement and started shooting in like november and then it was on the air january of 74 wow that's incredible and has your career led you to a personal encounter with any member of the beatles well, as a matter of fact, it, it did. Um, thank goodness. Um, if I hadn't been on Happy Days, I wouldn't have gotten this opportunity. It was pretty amazing. As I, as I was saying, we got on the air January, and um, I think it was around our sixth episode. So maybe three or four shows had been on the air. That's about it. And we're, we're shooting a scene in Arnold's the driving and the interior scene. And Anson Williams, we, we had a little break in rehearsing the scene, getting ready to shoot it. And Anson went to go get a cup of coffee. And that was near the entrance to the soundstage. And he comes back with this weird expression on his face. And he says, this guy just walked in and he says, he looks just like, and I won't say who yet, he looks just like so-and-so. And we're going, yeah, 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 right. This guy's coming here to see us, right. We're laughing, you know. A minute or two later, we see a guy walk in with a little, with a young boy. He's got sunglasses on and we're going, holy shit. It is, it's John Lennon. And, and, and Julian, was, he was with Julian. And we were like freaking out, you know. I mean, we couldn't believe it. What is, John, what is he doing here? 
And wow. it turns out, it turns out, you know, he was taking Julian around uh, in California. And I guess maybe Julian had seen some episodes and, and John being a big fan of fifties music, you know, probably watched it with him and, and they, they wanted to come and meet, you know, and nobody told us they were coming, nothing. I mean, they just walked <laughs> in. So it was, it was crazy. So um, he, he, he stayed, they stayed for a few hours and he, he was so um, humble and, and soft-spoken and, you know, very, oh, it was, it had a, an amazing, you know, there was this presence about him that was just so calm and kind of, you know, we were really surprised. And I, I and, and then I remember he, they were watching rehearsal. We talked for a while. We took a picture with him, which people could see on the internet. I have it hanging on my wall. Uh, took an amazing picture, and um, and and he was talking to the crew, and and Anson told me later. I didn't even know this. He was like, as he was talking with the crew, he was taking little napkins or something and doodling, making little doodles, and he was giving them to the crew. So Anson always says to me now. Why didn't we get any of those? We should have gotten some of those, you know. <laughs> and um, I wish I did. I wish I had gotten that. But but having the pictures pretty awesome and that experience, um, you know, I'll never forget. I mean, it was just amazing. That's so cool. But yeah. then, then I have to tell you, there was another time where who walks onto the set because they were shooting. He was shooting a movie nearby. Who else it says, but Ringo and starring Keith Moon come in. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and I didn't know. So all of a sudden, I hear some hubbub and I see Anson and somebody else up in the bleachers where, because now it's when we're shooting in front of an audience. This is some years later. And they're in the bleachers talking with, you know, talking with Anson and somebody else. And, and they might have had a few drinks or something because they were, they just had that feeling. And uh, they were making jokes and just crack, you know, cracking us up. And uh, <laughs> it was, it was, I wish we had gotten pictures, but you know, it wasn't back then. It was like, Oh, let's pull out your phone. We didn't have phones, right? you know, yeah. we didn't have cameras on us. So right. I never got a picture of that. Oh, so that, man. Was, <laughs> that was pretty wild. Um, did, do you remember what you said to John and Ringo or did you just, was it just you know, so like in the moment? Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I know that I, I was, you know, I'm pretty shy with people I don't know and and intimidated by that. And and there were so many, you know, there was a bunch of us around. So I didn't I didn't get to really have like a one-on-one discussion with him. But you know, I remember shaking hands with him and just saying hello and and you know, a few few words of, you know, just nice niceties and 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 then listening him just talk to other people and just being around him. You know, I probably didn't exchange more than two sentences with him personally, but, um, but just the listening, just listening to him and watching him and talking, him talking to the other people and, you know, just being in his presence was pretty amazing. Just insane. Do you have a favorite Beatle? You know, I don't think so because, you know, they each contributed so much in their own way, you know, and very differently. 
Um, and I and I respect and appreciate each of each of them how what they contributed, you know, because they were all pretty amazing. Um, they all were just incredibly talented. And um, no, I don't think I have a, a favorite. I mean, I, I I did I did love a lot of the stuff that John went on to do later on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I also liked a lot some of a lot of what McCartney did, what Paul did later on too. Um, but as a group, when they were together, it wasn't like oh, when they were together, I didn't really have you know there were some people. Oh, I like Paul, you know, then probably a lot of girls that initially <laughs> loved Paul. Um, and then, then, you know, then there were the people who loved George and John and, and Ringo. But no, I don't have it. I think it was just such an incredible. The blend of these four individuals was, you know, magical. And I guess destiny, you know, because. um the power, the influence that, that they wound up having over, uh, over the world, you know, is, is, it's amazing. And like I said, I, they all had talents and, and, and the way they, I guess a lot of it also had to do with the amount of playing they did together. Um, you know, before they ever came to the States, you know, they would play like, I don't know, I heard stories when they were in Germany and all these places prior you know, doing like eight shows a day or something you know, yeah. so crazy. So they had all that underneath them and doing it from a young age. And, and then they built their skills even more and more and then their natural talent and, you know, and then they evolved, you know, incredibly. So, so um, yeah, to me, it was, you know, that magic of the four of them. How about a favorite Beatles album? I do have a favorite Beatles album um, because this is what I alluded to earlier that it was a, later that when I really got into their music and it was when they started progressing out of that earlier sort of rock pop um, phase, um, it started getting really interesting. I remember hearing, I think the White Album might've been one, one and Sgt. Pepper's and the White Album really started like getting my attention and and going wow you know i mean they were like breaking new ground it was like it was totally it was so creative you know and that's what hit me in a big way because they were they were experimenting with different instruments and sounds and and recording techniques and and their own um and and their vocals and and the style and the style of music it was so different but then when it was I, then when abbey road came out that's what i would say is was my favorite album um and it was a, during a period when i was sort of i was about probably 16 or something like that because i don't it was did it come out around 69 yeah I, yeah so i was around 16 and i was sort of getting into a different phase just, you know, in terms of growth, um, I was almost ready for college or it might've been right around because I, I entered college when I just turned 17. So it was around then, you know, you're exposed to different things. And, and I started getting into that album and, and just loving it, loving it to this day. 
I, I think it's it's incredible and I love everything about Abbey Road. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's my favorite Beatles album as well. I just think it's oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. That's that's great. Yeah, we we're on yeah. the same wavelength there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially side two, Golden Slumbers and oh. Carry That oh. Weight. I, I just Oh love my God. I know the way those blend into each other is genius. Yeah. It's it's just genius. Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. It's it's, it's a perfect album. Do you have a favorite memory associated with the Beatles or their music? God, a favorite. Well, the John Lennon thing, but I guess that's not the Beatles. Um, I don't know. A favorite memory. That's a tough one. Um, oh, their music. I, I, I think we just touched upon. I think, I think um, you know, my, my memories of getting into that album of uh, Abbey Road was, I think it helped me in some ways influenced me to open up my mind mm -hmm. and my, you know, in the terms of seeking uh, cre creativity and showing the po possibilities of expanding your, your horizons, expanding your consciousness. And that's what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure the consciousness was, you know, expanded by certain things that they, indulged in and 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 it might have helped open up you know I, it was just opening up your mind into new levels new dimensions so um just my memories of listening to them over listening to that album and i remember going to sleep to it a lot you know, that yeah. one summer and just listening to it over and over before i go to sleep <laughs> i think i think well i think abbey road is the perfect kind of late summer album when Sun King comes on, I always get like the, that kind of uh, feeling from that record. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the different textures that, that they did in that album, the different things blending together in ways that you never heard before. And, and yet they were like, Oh, it's, it's great. You know, and how did they, how did they come up with this? Right. <laughs> how, the hell, how the hell did they come up with this? <laughs> so what do you think it is about the Beatles that makes them so much more than just a band? They're an icon, you know, they're, they're, they exist now when they broke up 60 years ago. Yeah, well, I, I think it's some of the things I touched on. It's this something indescribable about the four of them together. Um, and and I think their their personalities, you know, I mean, they they that comes through in, in, in a way. And and you know, each one of them is great, but but the four of them together, it's just beyond great, you know. Then it became something that is that's why it became so iconic. The blending of those four talents, the voices, the musicianship that they had and supported each other and, and pushed each other. You know, I think they, I think they, Mike's feeling is that they were pushing each other, you know, and, and, um, and that's why they were able to reach heights that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so that, that's, I, I wish, you know, God, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in the early days before they really got, became big, watching 
what was going on between them, you know? Yeah. And I really wish I could have seen them in Germany and in wherever they were in, not Liverpool, but uh, was it Liverpool? You know, yeah, the famous, yeah. famous club that they played. And then the Cavern and then, Club. Cavern, right. And then to, and to see them behind the scenes and see what was going on. I, I think that had to have been amazing, you know? And uh, so I don't know. It's hard. I, I wish I could uh, express it better, uh, but it, it's, you know, sometimes hard to, hard to describe things that, that are magical like they were. So Don, what are you up to now? What kind of projects have you been involved with recently? Well, I, last year I had a very busy year, even though it was during the pandemic, I did four films in like a six month period. Um, one is called Lost Heart, which um, is on Amazon Prime. And it's a really fun and heartfelt movie. I play a small town pastor in it and a very different kind of role, you know, than people think of me from happy days. And, um, and then I also play another movie uh, called MBF man's best friend. I play a defense attorney representing a wounded vet. It's a pretty heavy film. Again, a different role, which I love. I love playing all different kinds of roles. And then, um, and then in another one that's coming out this year called County line, no fear. Um, I play sort of a low-level uh, career criminal, this low-level criminal guy, but he's kind of, kind of a little eccentric, kind of funny, and and that was that was fun. And then I played a king in a in a in like a medieval king in another film, and um, and then I and I was I've been I've been singing because I went back to that music that I loved. You know, I mean, I love. A lot of the music in the 60s too, classic rock, Beatles, and, and so many other bands from that era. It was a it was a renaissance of music that time, I think. Um, pushing boundaries and mixing styles and rock with folk and rock with jazz, blues, you know, it all was coming together in different ways. But but the music I love that's in my blood to perform is, you know, the great uh American songbook with the jazz, the jazz standards. I do it sometimes with a big band and, and, sw- and swing, you know, and it's so much fun. Um, I have an album out called D Most, Mostly Swinging. And you could get, get on iTunes or Amazon. It's with a great big band of some top Los Angeles jazz players, great arrangements. It's, it swings. And, um, and I've, been, I've been doing clubs, you know, in New York. I did 54 Below, a good club, like four or five times. The Iridium Jazz Club I've played at. Um, I did a concert um, out here in Los Angeles with a big band. Um, and, then, and then I did my first symphony, the, uh, the Hershey Symphony, and, and a few months ago. And, and, and I just finished recording a new CD, did it in Nashville this time, uh, with a producer who... I think it's really good, and we're doing we're doing a lot of jazz standards, but instead of with a big band, it's a more contemporary jazz setting, like a quintet with maybe some overdubs and you know some solos from the sax and trumpet. But I'm still seeing the jazz standards, so that's going to come out sometime, probably in June or July. We don't have a title yet, but I'm really excited because it, it's I think it's um, 
really good, really good. So, but in the meantime, people could check out um, mostly swinging, and and I'm um, attached to direct a couple of films. Um, in the past, I've directed three independent films. One's called The Last Best Sunday, a pretty heavy drama with two teen, two teen around two teenage, two teenagers, kind of a almost a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. And then um, then I did a film called Mula, which is more of a comedy drama and and then i did a fam a nice family film i directed called harley's hill but now i have uh, two projects that i'm very excited about that i'll be directing we're, we're just trying to get um you know either the you know finding the money getting and we have a lot of interest so it's starting to build and i'm hoping it'll get to the finish line and then i'll be behind the camera again doing that and hopefully acting a lot more, you know, because um, I, I, I love playing so many different kinds of roles. There's another film I did. I mean, think about it. I played a small town pastor. Then I went to playing in another film, a polygamist. So I go from a pastor to a polygamist, which is kind of cool. Uh, that's called Cult Cartel, that movie. And, you know, and then I said, and, and then I play, oh, another one I did was called, I play a prison guard in a film called When George Got Murdered which is about the George Floyd murder. And that's coming out. I played a, a prison guard in the facility where Derek Chauvin is being held. And wow. it's really interesting what, what, what went down in that facility. You know, really interesting. Um, wow. uh, so I, I, there were black guards that they wouldn't let on the same floor as Derek Chauvin. And, and so I'm one of the white guards in the facility. So it's pretty interesting. So that's coming out, I think, at the end of May on either Hulu or Amazon. When George Got Murdered is the title of it. So there's, wow. you know, been a lot of stuff going on and hopefully a lot more to come. Oh, that's very exciting. I will yeah. leave the link to all those things in the podcast description so people can click on oh. it and check them out. Excellent. Excellent. So, Don, I have one more question for you. Yeah. Um, where do you see the Beatles music and influence? in the next 10, 50, or 100 years into the future? Well, I think definitely going to be the same 10 years from now as it is right now. I don't see it changing 50 years. A little hard to say, but my guess would be it's still going to be there still. And I think 100 years from now, I think it's like, <laughs> like, like, like Mozart or Beethoven. You know, I think it's going to be there just like they, th those greats, those immortals. I think they're right up there with that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it'll keep getting passed down from generation to generation, just like everything yes. else. Yes, it has to. It has to. It will. Don, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Jack, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you. I really, really enjoyed it. Hope to meet you in person someday. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. Thank you, Don Most, for coming on and for telling your stories. That was amazing. To everyone interested, the links to Don's recent works are in the podcast description below. If you like this episode, please be sure to rate it and subscribe, and be sure to check back in next week for a new guest.